Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast where we try to find solace in a world where our brains are usually against us. My name is Aaron Gillis, and each week I'll be joined by... Me, Lauren Patterson. Each week we chat to a different guest about how they try and live their life without misery. But we try and do it with a little bit of laughter, because otherwise that sounds like a pretty gloomy idea for a podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Dave, the TV channel, and Calm, the campaign against living miserably. Morning! Welcome back to Conversations Against Living Miserably, a podcast that tries to let us all know that whatever situation we're in, we're not alone. Oh, and Happy New Year as well! Let's all start this year the way we mean to go on, by trying our best and kicking life in the face. Yep. Uh, This week's guest is Bryony Kimmings. Bryony is a performance artist, comedian and writer. Her current show, I'm a Phoenix Bitch, had a sellout run at the 2019 Edinburgh Festival. Uh, If you get a chance to go see the show, it is utterly genius. Uh, Bryony also co uh, screenwrote the 2019 film Last Christmas with Emma Thompson, uh, which is kind of a big deal, really. This week, we speak to Bryony about sharing experiences, motherhood, and onion vinegar. Uh, once again, as I say every bloody week, and I am deeply sorry for it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please like and subscribe, leave us a little review, and recommend it to everyone you know. All the money we make from ads goes to Calm, and so far, we've raised several thousand pounds for them just via this podcast. So you're doing a good thing by listening today. Anyway, that's enough from me. Here is Lauren and myself talking to Bryony Kimmings. Hello. 
Hello, everybody. We are we are both very excited about today's podcast. One of us, very, very excited. He's like a little fangirl in the corner. I was hoping you weren't going to mention that. I was 100% going to mention it. <laughs> Awkward. We are joined today oh, by Bryony Kimmins. <laughs> As if people know who I am. Right, the, the famous Bryony Kimmins. <laughs> How are you feeling today? You all good? That's a nice question. Yeah. yeah, I feel good. I like it when I come into London. It's so rare. Yeah. Have a little sneaky day trip. Nice, little tourist, little M&M shop. I actually had the thought in my car on the way in from the station that I hate London. That <laughs> 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 no, I really hate it and I've always hated it. And now I don't live here, I feel so much less stressed. Yeah, I was saying this the other day, wasn't I? Someone asked me when, because uh, our first question, which I'll ask you in a sec, someone asked it back to me the other day and my answer was when I was out of London. So to make sense of that, the question that we asked to start everyone off is, when was the last time you felt calm? When was the last time I felt calm? Um, well, at the weekend, I took my boyfriend for his 40th to a like a spa. Mm. That was pretty relaxing and I felt calm there. Is that true? <laughs> I don't feel calm that often. I have a raging <laughs> motor of anxiety within me at all times. I probably felt calm when I was having a massage. No, actually, I didn't because I was going, does she think I've got a weird back? <laughs> like, should I tell her that my face hurts in the in the face pad thing? Oh, God, what's that smell? You know, all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, last time I felt calm was probably when I had some Valium on the plane. Ooh, nice little treat. <laughs> nice little cheeky treat. Cheeky little Valium. <laughs> I can't fly without it. Really? I'm not going to lie. I'm quite a nervy flyer. But then I think I'd be too anxious to take Valium because I'd be scared if anything happened and we had to get off the plane and I would just be like comatose out. Just having a nice time. <laughs> yeah. Just fling you out <laughs> down the slide. <laughs> Whee! Um, no, I, I, I took one. I, I don't know if we should... Oh, um, they're prescriptions, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not addicted to them or anything, guys. <laughs> um, but I took one on the way back from last time I was in Australia and um, th- this woman, I upgraded to premium economy because it was super cheap. I asked and they were like, yeah, go ahead. And I took a Valium drank a glass of wine and then slept for 12 hours. <laughs> and the woman, when I woke up, uh-huh. the woman next to me was so angry with me <laughs> just because I was able to sleep. She was like, you just slept for 12 hours. <laughs> and I was like, I know. She was like, how did you do that? I was like, I took a Valium. She was like, have you got any more? <laughs> so I gave her one. She slept for the next leg. There you go. That's Perfect. She was shape. livid though. <laughs> Absolutely livid. Do you ever find any sort of calm in your perform- when you're performing? Because we speak to quite a few comics oh. and they say that their one place of calm is on the stage. Jesus, no. (laughs) They're lying to sound romantic. I don't think so. I'm too busy thinking, am I standing in the right place? Is this tone of voice correct? What does my posture look like? You know, I suppose it's different than perhaps, I don't know, it's a lot of movement, a lot of tech, especially in the new show. And also the new show is like super triggering anyway. Mm. I'm trying to find moments where I can embed CBT into it. Not that I'm particularly like well versed in CBT because I do a different type of therapy myself. But I've been asked to do it for quite an extended period period of time I don't know if it's going to happen but I was like I can't like it causes me way too much stress to even like go on stage and get off at Edinburgh nearly killed me mm-hmm. so I spoke to my therapist about embedding CBT into the show which could be quite interesting mm-hmm. so there may be moments of calm in it you know just because there's many moments where you know just for over five seconds you could have you could just do something I, I think and you could even tell the audience I've got CBT embedded into yeah. the show yeah. if you see me like zoning out and counting something then it's a little release button isn't it yeah, yeah. I think it might be quite helpful but no I don't find it relaxing on the stage. I find it fun. Yeah. My adrenaline's really high. I'm really pleased with myself afterwards. Afterwards, I feel quite calm, unless I've hated what I did. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
which is nine times out of ten. <laughs> How, during Edinburgh, because you were doing it once every single... Did you have any days off? I had one day off, but then I did two extra shows. Oh. Oh, that's so I had minus you. one day off. Yeah. So did you do anything to make sure that you were looking after yourself? Because like you say, it's a very powerful show. There's a lot of themes in there that like must be difficult to perform that many times in one month. Yeah. For ages, when I made this show and when I was making it and when I was performing it, I was like, oh, this is nothing, you know, it's in the past. I was like really naively sort of like, I oh, know, I've been through my trauma, it's fine. And actually, first leg of it in BAC, by the end I was like in a spiral of dis- despair. <laughs> or depression or whatever and um, again I triggered myself into like PTSD so it's like no I've created a show I can't perform this is like I don't know Kafkaesque or something you know whatever and then I started to give myself a bit of self care so by the time I came into Edinburgh I always do the Sheraton Spa like you'll see everyone in there I kept seeing Jade Adams in there <laughs> and like loads of cabaret performers and like circus people. It's a really lovely place to go. So I go there every day. I try to meditate, but I find that difficult. I tried not to drink, but I find that difficult. But I was much more reserved. I think I went out four times, whereas, you know, years before I would be out every, you, you'd be, you, I'd be the last out. Mm. Or maybe Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you know, like I'm, we're quite similar, I think. We're like... Part of the joy of this job is how fun it is. And I felt like there was a bit of a fun vacuum, but um, I still had a mental breakdown after I left Edinburgh. It's, it's impossible not to, mm. whether it's existential, uh, you know, FOMO, whatever it's triggered by. <laughs> it, it, it's impossible not to, I think, to not get sucked into like, it's like when you go on holiday when you're 18 to Cavos and then you get home, you're like, I live in Peterborough, what am I doing? <laughs> um, a come down. Mm. Everyone blows smoke up your ass. Yeah. Right, if you've got a good show, especially, and that's really bad for your mental health. Mm-hmm. You know, look at all them celebrities in full meltdown all the time. Like this, because people expect that once it becomes na- natural. Mm. It's like you do a show once or like a gig once and it goes well and you've got that like tiny little adrenaline hit but then if you've got a good Edinburgh show that's 26 days of being told that you're fucking brilliant Mm. and that you're a star and that you're this I remember I tried not to let it get to us too much but obviously I was so proud so proud of what I'd done I was buzzing and then August ends and you're like oh what next what now and I'm kind of just walking around with my newcomer trophy being like anyone anyone (laughs) want to remind me that I had a really good month please (laughs) trying to go back through your (laughs) switch to feed or read or your retweet. Yeah. It got a like it's, July it's and my boyfriend was like, as of next month, so this was like yeah. last year, he went, as of next month, Lauren, you'll be last year's newcomer nominee. And I was like, Ooh. no, <laughs> yeah. I'll be old news. And it is. It's hard to wrap I your have head to win around, the big one. It? I know. 2020, <laughs> coming for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a normal game, is it? Mm. It's not normal. So what other kind of... Um, I hate the term, self-care do you do like to make sure that you are getting through that okay? Before the show, I do all these affirmations you were just about to say. <laughs> uh, I do crystals. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm even saying that out loud. <laughs> I've strategically placed crystals, which are m- much more for me like a sort of just ritualistic thing of mm. like setting up my... Even in Edinburgh, I said, you know, I want a little locked box where I can open it and it's got my makeup business. <laughs> I need a box from my crystals. Um, you know, actually, it's more about like making a safe space in the dressing room laying out some stuff that belongs I have a picture of my son I do these positive affirmations in the mirror which have changed over time like for a while it it started with these are things that happened in the past and they're no longer active and can no longer Mm -hmm. affect you and now you know I've been going through a bit of a wobbly time with my little boy and all of the trouble he's had since he was so ill which is a lot of what the show's about so I think one of them at the moment is you know Frank's a very lucky boy and he's going to be fine you know so just whatever I change him to whatever might trigger me because what I've realised 
is over time, I'm not in control of my own brain, you know, despite being desperate to be. <laughs> and, you know, like heavily entrenched in me that I am, you know, able to will myself into anything. Yeah, I, I, I just try and sit with my therapist each week and over Edinburgh we did it on Skype and just change what they need to be. I also do deep breathing, visualisations. I cover myself with orange light. Yes, I do. <laughs> like the ready Breck man. And I tell myself at the side of the stage that it's irrelevant. All of this is irrelevant. None of it matters. <laughs> Nihilist, so, you know, like it's like... In one and a half hours time, I'll be drinking a glass of Prosecco and smoking a fag, hugging someone that I haven't seen for a long time, and that will feel worth it. So I've had to rebalance it and say, OK, this is not, this is never going to be a nice experience, but it's an experience that I give to other people. And those people that come up to me afterwards and thank me for that, that's my duty. And I feel like in that way I can handle it because I'm not reductive about what it is. I actually hold it in the place it is allowed to be mm. held in. And I've found that that acknowledgement has helped. Yeah. Did any of that make any sense? It really did, yeah. <laughs> when was the first time you became aware of like mental health being a thing, so to speak? For me or for others? Um, either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, my mum's always had depression, so I don't think it was, um, not always, but had it as a, when I was a child and had therapy, so she had a counsellor. Um, so I knew that that was a thing, mm -hmm. but it was definitely sort of trauma-related and it was always related to, you know, breaking up with my dad. So I, I think I thought maybe that that men caused sorrow. I think that's probably what I've been taught. Mm. So that might be my first mental health foray is that it's attributed to men, which hasn't really gone away. <laughs> um, uh, or the patriarchy, perhaps. Mm -hmm. Brackets men. Um, another brackets, not all men. <laughs> Hashtag all men. Um, anyway, so an auntie of mine had um, agoraphobia, like my stepmom had agoraphobia. So lots of different, you know, I've, I've always kind of known that, well, I guess what I've always taught was women are mental, you know. Hysterical women. Hysterical women, yeah. yeah and, and that perhaps maybe that's why I've been like, oh, I'm not fucking renal. Uh, and then when I met Tim, Tim is my ex-partner, the son of my dad. That would make him, <laughs> that would make him my brother. <laughs> My, the dad of my son, uh -huh. oh, Freudian. <laughs> um, yeah, he and I met and six months into our relationship, I found antidepressants in his bag and recognised them from family members' use. And I think that's when in my adult life it became mm -hmm. a really prevalent discussion. Still at that time, I hadn't really ever considered my own mental health, apart from that I was all right, mate. And um, spent two years looking at men's mental health and actually worked with Calm a bit on that couple of panel talks and stuff. Yeah, and we met loads of men who had depression. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, it's not just hysterical women, it's also <laughs> hysterical men. Yeah. I don't know whether it was only until I got ill that perhaps I really, truly believed that it could affect anyone. I would literally have been the last person I thought to get ill. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, that's classic, isn't it? Like, yeah, sure, mental health. Like. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not me, though. Yeah, I was like that. I was exactly like that. I was like, I understand, it must be hard. And then I got ill and I was like... Oh, oh no, this is proper. This isn't like having a cold. This is fuck. This is fuck. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. What did you have? I got really depressed. Re but I was like, I ain't got nothing to be depressed about. Nah. Again, like I'm not oh. a, I'm not mental. I'm not this. I'm not that. And then I think the longer you deny it, the more yes. problems you make for yourself. I just remember trying to rationalise everything and being like, everyone just wakes up crying, don't they? Yeah, everyone. Everyone falls asleep crying. Everyone ha has a breakdown once every day. And then it was only when somebody was like no Lauren not everybody does that and I was like what do you mean <laughs> and I just justified How old it to were you, Lauren? like at uni 
It's probably like, yeah. I wonder where it came from. I mean, it doesn't come from anywhere, but did anything trigger it or not? I don't think so. I don't. I think I've spoken in the past on here about maybe it just being that transition from sort of school to uni and suddenly being thrust into an adult world and maybe not being quite ready for it and not quite... I don't want to say I was weak, but just not being quite tough enough to stand on my own two feet yet. And then suddenly just getting on top of everything. And I've always been a perfectionist. And I think that is my biggest. I think a lot of child perfectionists go on to be anxious adults Mm. because we are so used to being able to achieve everything and smash everything because it's in a parameters of you're at school. Yeah. And then you you can't do that in the adult world. And that's very hard to to accept when you're an adult of like, oh, I I, I can't be the best at everything. I can't be. Oh, and sometimes I'm going to fail. Oh, and then getting into comedy and being like oh sometimes things are going to be shit and I'm going to be rejected and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that and mm. I think maybe just getting a lot of rejection all at once and oh but yeah it's a thing <laughs> did you get it again I feel like now I come in and out of it yeah. but I feel like I've got the awareness now a bit you know, like when you get a cold coming on and you're like my nose is a bit stuffy my throat oh I must be getting sick I'm like oh I can't really get out of bed today and I feel a bit worthless and I feel a bit hopeless I think I might be getting quite down I need to make sure uh, the other day I felt like this and then I realised it had been about three days since I'd got in the shower and I was like maybe get in the shower maybe get in the shower have a fucking wash like go outside and I know that obviously that's not the magic cure no, but even but just doing those little things yeah. I was like alright because I'm I'm not going to feel better if I just lie in bed covered in my own sweat being like why do I feel so shit well you were already <laughs> feeling shit and now you're shit and sweaty and now you feel <laughs> worse because you're sweaty and then that pushes you further being like oh look at me I'm disgusting I'm gross oh why would anyone oh, get in the fucking get shower, in the shower. Lauren. <laughs> yeah. even my boyfriend was like you think maybe you want to have a shower and I was like do I smell and he was like <laughs> just maybe get in the shower (laughs) but some little things have just been able to recognize up things are slipping things are slipping what can i what little things can i do to like just make things a bit less shit yeah do you think it will always be there i think so i think it's one of them things i think if you're more susceptible to it i think you're always more likely to fall into it i think so you spend your days talking about mental health in a great Box. Yeah. yeah, we came to this realization yesterday. We did it's probably realize the most this depressing room you could talk about this in. I'm gonna start wearing really bright clothes. Please <laughs> do. Jane, you're wearing a red jumper. <laughs> what happened to your trainers? Oh no, they're meant to be like yeah. that. They're cool. They're like marble. They're little marble effects. I love it. Yeah. I love a Cortez. Bit of bit of marbling. <laughs> what made you want to um, make I'm a Phoenix bitch? Uh, what was like? Obviously, it's a true story. But what was that kind of process of going? I've been through this kind of really traumatic. Mm. event yeah but I want to put this out there so yeah well I've always made shows about my life mm-hmm. so it's not um you know m- most comedians I suppose about their lives yeah. or sort of observational I suppose but um yeah so it wasn't it's not weird but for me but I don't think I'd ever make anything about this when someone when I had to cancel the tour for fake it till you make it the one about Tim's mental health we had to cancel a big tour our first mid-scale tour to like all the theatre royals and all that we were so excited and, you know, set to make some good money for once. And then Frank got ill, second date, and we had to cancel everything. We put it online. You know, all of the venues were great. They had to put all these notices up on their website, give all the ticket money back. And some idiot just tweeted, like, oh, you know, because it was like, our son's incredibly ill. Mm. You know, like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. We can't perform. Mm-hmm. And someone went, oh, new, new show, question mark, or something like that, you know. 
And I was just like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, why would you even write that? Like, yeah. who, you know, I mean, people write crazy stuff all the time, but like, also just like, my mind was blown. I was like, no, I would never write about this. And for years, like two years, I was like, this has nothing to do with anyone else. <laughs> this is the most horrific thing that's ever happened to me. And then I started, when I was a bit over it, and I started to go to support groups for like postnatal mental health and met lots of mums who'd also had postnatal problems, whether they have disabled children or not. Um, yeah, I was like, they were like, you never hear this story. Like, why isn't it all, you know, why isn't there more TV programs about it? Why isn't there more theatre about it? And I'm sitting there thinking, ah, <laughs> oh no, I have to make the show. Yeah. And, I, and I thought to myself, if I've built a career on sharing my life with people, then it would be irresponsible to say that this one was haram for some reason. Mm. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's Nearly more about me. letting enough time pass as well yeah. that you're like, no, I, I can do this now. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure like day two, your first thought wouldn't have been like, right, okay, get my notebook, get out. notebook out, <laughs> start yeah. filming, push push the hospital bed to one side, and just <laughs> make this a studio space. <laughs> Shut up, Frank. Yeah. <laughs> Mummy's working. Yeah, I'm making us a show. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We had lots of people coming up to you because it is there's there is not much discussion around postnatal depression and in, in that especially kind of like mm. film media, TV comedy etc. Yeah. Um, did you get many people just kind of coming up to you, just kind of just thank you for sharing that story, like seeing themselves for that very yeah. first time up there? Yeah. Yeah. Now you've said it, I'm like I don't think I know anything about it. And that's quite scary. What? Postnatal depression. I don't think I know anything. It's very normal. The only thing I can think is when I've read books and there'll sometimes be a character who's gone crazy, mm. and I don't think that's a very <laughs> good representation. <laughs> no. Of... No, that's right. You have a baby, you go crazy. <laughs> yeah. No, it's quite very common. Um, mm. Postnatal psychosis isn't so common. Um, postnatal anxiety is pretty much, I think, a given. 
you know, because you've got this thing that's now like, it's like getting a dog, but like 10 times worse. You know? <laughs> You're like, oh God, now I can't let this thing die or something, uh-huh. a murderer. Um, oh, I have so much to look forward to. <laughs> not, not everyone gets it. I mean, I think I will. Yeah, I think you I will think as well. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest, if we're hard to put but money in. that thing of like, you know, it, it's if we talked about it more and it was more heavily sort of policed yeah. or at least in some way there was some provision for it because it's very underfunded, mm-hmm. then it would be part and parcel of um, the care you receive after having a child because how can you not be completely traumatized by the most physical thing you'll ever do completely anxious about not you know killing the thing that you've created that you love so much more than you've ever loved anything else before um just the extra stress of a partner who's then like don't you love me anymore because i'm secondary you know like Mm -hmm. all of those emotional relationship things your relationship with your mother will change if you're lucky enough to still have your mom you know um everything changes and you're expected to just sort of like hold this little bundle of joy and just grin as people sort of try and touch it and take it off you and you're like get off when we were in australia recently they do this thing welcome to country the beginning of a lot of um touring shows so someone from the indigenous community will come they'll talk to you a little bit about the context in which this work will be received by an indigenous audience Mm -hmm. and the woman was really lovely her name was barbara and she was from torres islands so she was a, a pacific islander and she was saying like in both cultures well all indigenous cultures in in that area they don't have postnatal depression is what she was saying and i was like really and she was like, oh, well, no, we do, but it shouldn't affect us in the same way. So say you're my sister mm-hmm. and I have a baby. You're also that baby's mum. Oh. And our other sister's also that baby's mum. And like, if you were my brother, you'd be the baby's dad. Mm-hmm. So like, even though, obviously not really, but like, there's an element of like a support network. All of your mum's sisters are also your mum. Yeah. So they're not your aunties. It's all like, mm. so if someone's struggling, they'll take the baby and there wouldn't even be a question like your sister will take the baby and nurse the baby. Mm-hmm. So the community lives in a kind of like passing children around way, which I was like, I was so isolated when I had a child. I lived in the middle of nowhere. I lost my mind. I I didn't know anyone. Mm -hmm. If someone had just been like, hello, I've just come to look after your baby for a few days while you have a sleep, I would have literally like kissed them. Yeah. Been their best friend forever. So we're not not designed to cope with mental health post-pregnancy. Yeah. Because it's like, get go on off you go back to work. Mm-hmm. Or like, here's six months, but only six months, and you've got to really worry about money during that time. Mm. And two weeks later, your boyfriend or your girlfriend's going to go back to work, and yeah. you're just going to have to sit there and basically have it attached to your tits for like 16 hours a day. Oh God, I don't want anyone on my tits for that long. <laughs> Ten minutes, and I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, she t- that's what Lauren took from that. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I don't want anyone on my tits for that long. I've got no sensation in my boobs now from that. <laughs> From that onslaught. Really? Yeah, it's totally weird. Having a baby's really weird. One of my biggest, like, anxieties thinking about the future is if I had a baby in London, I'd be alone. And that is something I think about a lot. You must go home. My family would be up north. And I feel like I'm a little bit of a, like, like a baby bird or something. I'm like, oh, but no, I would need to go back to the nest to have a baby. And then, because I... I you can't would. think of anything worse about... You take the instinct yeah. and f- run with it. I think it's true. Yeah. I think it's true. You, it like takes a village. Loneliness is one thing, but I can, can't imagine what loneliness with this... It's a baby, not a thing, but you know what I mean. With with a baby to look after and being lonely, I think I'd be too selfish. I think I would be too wrapped up in my own head and how I felt to, to give a baby any attention. But well, why are you crying? That's... I'm really lonely too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that's sort of the, for me, the sort of existential 
existential crisis that began everything for me was like, mm-hmm. I used to be somebody and now I'm no longer that person. And I was torn. I remember, I remember when my psychosis first started, I remember thinking to myself, if I allow myself to think of old me, yeah. I don't love my child. So anytime my brain flicked back to any memory, I stopped it. Mm-hmm. And I stopped it by allowing a voice into my head that just told me I was, wasn't allowed to. So mm-hmm. then I started to employ these voices in my head. So then it's like, okay, now you're telling yourself stuff with voices. This is getting a bit nuts. And then I started to fixate on him getting really unwell if I would think of my old self. Mm-hmm. And then I managed to convince myself that if I turned my back on him, he would disappear. And so all it all began with the existential crisis of don't mourn your old self. You must love your new self. Mm-hmm. And actually, like, from someone that's been themselves for 35 years and loved themselves quite a lot... Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what we don't acknowledge when a child is born. Everyone flocks to the baby. No one ever turns to the mother and says, welcome to the new world. You're allowed to mourn your old existence and simultaneously celebrate the existence of the child. You know, that's a real, that's a really profound moment that is unacknowledged. Instead, people are too busy making you cakes with like a baby's head coming out of a vagina, you know, (laughs) and telling you it's going to be the nicest thing that's ever happened to you. And actually, it's not the nicest thing that's ever happened to you. It's the hardest thing that's ever happened to you, plus the nicest, plus the worst. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I want a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for climate change reasons, you shouldn't have one anyway. I can't imagine. I'm like freaking out thinking about... I'm fine now. Yeah. Four years later. If I had another one now, it wouldn't be the same because I think even if I do get the chemical reactions of a depression or a psychosis, Mm -hmm. I think, one, I'll spot it. Yeah. Two, it's not the same once you've made the adjustment. I'm able to now, like I said to you, I'm so excited because I'm in London for the day. Mm -hmm. Like, I never thought I'd feel like that before. But now it's like, it's exciting because most of the time I'm dressed in my joggers, like screaming at a four-year-old to get his hands off that radiator or whatever (laughs) it is he's doing. You know, well, no, you can't watch Trolls for the sixth time today. (laughs) You know, we've got to go outside. You've got to have a shower. (laughs) (laughs) Get off my tits. Um, yeah, so it's strange. But then it's what I realise, maybe going through the change of it, is that this isn't going to stop this change, this sort of like chrysalis-like um, sort of permeation of being. You know, like you're going to change. Mm-hmm. At some point I'm going to look down at my body and be elderly. I don't get to stay mm. my same way forever. I don't get to be myself for long. There's this lovely thing that the Mayans say that you walk alongside... Sorry, just hit your microphone. You walk <laughs> alongside your old old self and your future selves yeah so you from a baby all the way up to this moment and then all the way into your death you walk they walk with you and at any time you should look to them and ask them for advice and I love that because sometimes I think to myself oh god and then I think I'll ask my older wiser self you know what would she do and she's normally more rational and then if I look this way and think about what would my old self say like I'm having to make a big decision about a gig at the moment you know whether I do this long gig of Mm -hmm. Phoenix what would she say well she'd say we've been waiting for this all your life bitch (laughs) (laughs) older self would say you missed a year without your kids you know like it's it's an interesting way of seeing the self like yeah. and I like that more I don't know That's is that a bit good. spooky in, no in I like that because what people often say to me is I forget I'm young because I work in comedy so most people are elderly older than me like <laughs> even just like 30 upwards and I'm only 25 now so I know I'm going to change a lot between 25 and yeah. 30 like I might I might have a kid by then or whatever or I might be married or I might not even be with Matt or whatever like who knows and sometimes I'll get really really wound up and stuff and people have to be like 
you're 25 you're a baby still you're so and I'm like oh yeah I, I am allowed to be confused and I am yeah. allowed to be stressed and because I'm not and I think I'll still be allowed to be that when I'm a proper full fully fledged adult and stuff but I think sometimes I'm far too hard on myself for somebody who is still only 25 mm-hmm. and got a lot of time to learn and yeah. a lot more mistakes to make probably but you're ahead of everybody else which is nice yeah, that is. Cheeky little head start. Don't fuck it up, <laughs> Lauren. I will fall first so those behind me can learn. <laughs> what was that? Um, what was the journey to recovery, or recovery in inverted commas, like after the... Because were you diagnosed with postnatal depression or was it just something that you came to the conclusion that you, you knew you had? I was put on antidepressants. Mm. I would say I suffered from postnatal anxiety prenatally. I got anxious as soon as I found out. My, my mental health got bad as soon as I found out I was pregnant. Mm. My anxiety went really crazy. Um, and I realised I'd always been an anxious person, but that this had perhaps tipped me over the edge of sort of panic attacky kind of territory. Mm. So I'd been chatting to my doctor about that anyway. And postnatally, that just ramped up really badly. So we talked about maybe putting me on tablets. Let's see how we go. Things had started to settle down. And then Frank got really ill when he was four months old. So And that kicked off a very quick spiral into depression. And so I wouldn't know if it was postnatal. Although I was still in a postnatal period, mm-hmm. or whether it was trauma, you know, probably both. Yeah. Serotonin would have gone to absolute shit. You know, I wasn't sleeping, he was so ill. And it was sort of around that time that these visions and sort of slightly more scary mental health things happened. Like, I imagined that my house was infested with spiders. Like, I couldn't really differentiate between visions and reality you know that that was quite a small period of time maybe three weeks while that was going on and then I went back to the doctors and said I'm actually seeing things and she was like quick onto these antipsychotics and I think I was on them for like a month Mm -hmm. so I think it was all postnatal but um I don't know if it would have happened if Frank hadn't got ill um not that he's to blame (laughs) but um it was a lot for one person to take Yeah. yeah indeed um the road to recovery. I never. Someone said to me the other day, "Oh, well, how did you afford to not work?" And I was like, "I didn't stop working. I cancelled the tour, and I had to make that blooming cancer musical." I remember the head of the National Theatre saying to me, "You don't have to make it. You know, you can postpone it." Like we would totally understand. I remember thinking, "Don't take this away from me, else I will actually die." Mm-hmm. Like I can't not work. I can't be in this cottage any longer. I was living in the middle of nowhere. I need. I need this. So I worked. I worked and worked. And actually, I think I self-medicated for about a year and a half. Really bad behaviour, really promiscuous, extremely reliant on alcohol, like still being a really good mum, but at any point I could think of, I just wanted to destroy myself. You know, I just didn't like myself. I hated myself. I had so much guilt, so much blame, like I hadn't processed anything. And even though I was in the middle of therapy and everything, it didn't matter. I was in a massive trauma cycle in the end. And I got a new therapist when I moved to Brighton. She diagnosed with PTSD and started to treat me for that. And that really helped because um, I hadn't realised that that's what it was, that it was, yeah, that it was trauma. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought I'd had postnatal depression and that I was somehow, I don't know, that I was still depressed or something. But yeah, I tried to come off my tablets a couple of times since it all happened and I just go mad, so I just stay on them. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. No wrong with that. I don't know. I think I think to myself, if I've got enough serotonin in my body, like I'll just wee it out. <laughs> Same as when I think about when I do MDMA. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like moving like to a when you said like you moved to Brighton? Was oh, that yeah. like weight off shoulders kind of feeling? Yeah. I lived with my mum for a year 
in between. So for Frank's sort of second to third year, I lived with my mum. Because mm-hmm. um, Tim and I broke up very quickly after Frank got unwell, which is often the way. Yeah. And um, we're still friends and stuff, but we, we didn't want to live in the same place. I wanted to live somewhere rural, but not as rural as where we've been living, <laughs> and he wanted to stay in London. So I moved to my mum's. Mm-hmm. Um, she looked after me for a while, helped me with Frank, because it's quite a lot, because he's got neurological kind of impairment, so he's not. He's a little bit more hassle than a normal kid. Mm-hmm. Hassle. Just a little bit. You know, yeah. He has a lot of therapies and he's he's just very behind. So it's like having a giant baby sometimes mm-hmm. and where other people, all these kids are like doing maths and stuff and my kids just like can't even hold a pencil. So it's stressful. Um, so, yeah, he... And then I was like, I'm going to move to Brighton. And when I moved there, I was like, oh, my God. Who knew that I was a secret hippie? You know? <laughs> I actually walked past a shop the other day and I saw a pair of harem pants and I thought to myself, they're not bad, actually. And then I had to, like, punch myself in the face, <laughs> gouge out my eyes with a spoon because I'm turning into a crusty. <laughs> but, no, it's lovely. The mm-hmm. sea. I think it's the sea. Yeah, you're I, like me. Yeah. Once um, I was in Brighton for a gig last week, just the second I stepped off yeah. the train and that kind of... The Air. I was like, oh, I feel better. I Maybe make... that was the last time I felt calm. Yeah. <laughs> it's some, my friend said to me, it's something, to, I mean, I've got low, like, Honestly, if you invite people around your house in Brighton and they're long-term people that lived in Brighton, the chances of them bringing wine when they come to your house is very slim, which I was really annoyed about. Because they bring things like sage, crystals. <laughs> they bring stuff from their gardens. Uh-huh. Like I'm just like, just bring wine. Is this where the crystal started? Yeah, 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 it is. <laughs> yeah, put this crystal by your door and all that. Mm-hmm. But like, they're really like into all of that sort of healing stuff, which actually, once I surrendered myself to it, even if it's a placebo, I really enjoy it, you know. I actually really find quite a lot of comfort in it. And I think to myself, well, if that's what you find comfort in. Anyway, this woman said to me, with the sea at the bottom of the hill like that, Mm -hmm. as you step off the train, you're getting something like ionised particles or something from the sea. Mm -hmm. And you know, like when you're at the the beach all day and you've done nothing, but you're knackered Mm -hmm. because the wind's been blowing at you off the sea. Apparently, they're really rich in iron, those particles. Mm -hmm. And that's why when you step off the train and you take a big lung, it might be a lie, but you take a big lungful when you're like, oh, God, I'm so calm. Yeah. Uh, everyone, I make people come to Brighton mostly to have meetings with me now. I play the disabled mum card. I'm like, I can't leave. <laughs> I just can't, which I can't. But like, yeah. you know, you know, I'm like, you have to come here. And every time someone comes to meet us, they're always like, <sighs> and they're really good mood. So I get in loads of work because they're coming down, mm-hmm. getting the iron giving me work and then fucking Maybe off. that's how we'll get rich. We'll bottle Brighton air <laughs> and sell it on Etsy. Just like balloon in balloons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, Brighton, yeah. I think it's quite a calm place. You should move there. No, you should move north. Yeah. yeah. You move as, north, I'll move to Brighton. As long as yeah. I'm on the coast somewhere. Yeah. Where are um, you from? Newcastle. Is that on the coast? Well, but like, you can be at the beach in half an hour. Yeah, which is nice. So like, sort of day trips on a weekend for the family would be like, we're going to the beach and you'd have the whole day there. I think that's maybe what in I found hard. Yeah, <laughs> not in Newcastle, got bloody hot pants on. Like, what are you talking about? It's boiling. Um, <laughs> but then like, uh, coming to London, I think maybe I do sometimes feel a little bit like trapped because I'm so used to like growing up in the northeast and being like, we're going to the country for a day or yeah. we're going to the beach for a day and you're half an hour from either of them whereas I feel like if you want to get sort of out of London 
obviously it's doable. You can go to Brighton or Southend and there, there's countryside, but, but it's more of a mission. And I'm like, Where do you oh, live? No. Walthamstow. Walthamstow, yeah. Mm. yeah. You need to live in the heath. Just lots of markets. That's, <laughs> that's about it. Hipsters and markets. Hipsters yep. and markets. And I'm like, no, I need some seashells. <laughs> that's what I need. And some good chips. That's Ooh. my happy place. By the sea. Nice nice bag of chips with scraps on. Scraps. <laughs> I used to work in a chippy. Did you? I loved it when people asked for scraps. <laughs> First time I asked for them in London, the guy just stared at his. He's like, "What?" And I went, "Oh, like um, scrunchins." And he's like, <laughs> "What is a scrunchin?" He was what? like, "I don't scrunchins. That's another name for them. Scrunchins." <laughs> As if he would be like, "Oh yes, sorry, scrunchins." Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he we still stared, that, yeah. and I was like, "You know, like batter." And he was like, "You want me to batter your chips?" And I was like, "No, no. You know the batter that's falling off the fish. Can you put that on my chips?" And he just went, "No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't." I was like, why "You fucking can't, I, though, can't why you?" Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I, I find it strange that you have to ask. But do you have onion vinegar up north? Oh, yeah. no. Oh, yeah. That's what we, that we have in Peterborough, and no one has it. And I was like, have you got any onion vinegar? And they're like, what are you talking about? Like, the, the vinegar from the onions. <laughs> like, you want, yeah. Ooh. It's so good. Nice. Chips now. Chip spice, that's what they have in Hull. That's Chip the best out Oh, yeah, I've Ooh. had that. That's weird. No, it's the best. It's delicious, but it's mm-hmm. weird. In 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 Australia, they have chicken salt as well, which yes, is like I got really mm. into that. Yeah. <laughs> really into that. Anything really dirty, I like. Yeah. yeah. Crunch up some frazzles, chuck them on there. Mm. <laughs> I do that when I make a pasta bake for my topping. I crunch up crisps and put the crisps on. Nice. And then I remember doing it once at a like a former boyfriend's house cooking for him and his flatmate was just staring at me and she went, I thought I was working class but that's something else. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, actually they're Depends. walkers so yeah, I did exactly. fancy crisps. Yeah, fancy crisps. <laughs> uh, should we play some anxiety bingo? Oh, yeah. So this is my anxiety would you rather where I just give you two like two sides of a similar coin Gosh. that are both anxious situations. <laughs> is this going to give me anxiety? Probably. Yeah. So if you ju- just pick a number between like one and we'll say ten. Uh, ten please. Ten. Da, 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 da. Which one is it? Ah, oh, okay. like <laughs> this. <laughs> would you rather get a text that says we need to talk or get a text that says do you remember what you said last night? Because I've had both of these and they both fill me with fear. I think the first one I'd hate. We need to talk. Mm-hmm. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. Last night, my my response would just be like, I was pissed. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I, and also, yeah, I don't really think I, I'm like that anymore. Mm-hmm. That's a lie. It probably happened last week. <laughs> but um, we need to talk. Oh, that's what my, my partner just texted me before I came in here saying, are we okay, hon? I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean, are we okay, hon? Like, and then I realised maybe he meant, are we? He's dyslexic, so did he mean oh. like, are we okay for milk, hun? Or oh, are yeah. we okay for like loo roll, hun? So I was like, what do you mean? And then it came back, loo roll. And I was yeah. like, don't send that message to yeah. me. Are we okay, hun? Yeah. <laughs> I hate the can we talk or, oh. Yeah. Not, especially because I'm a relatively anxious person. So I know some people can just compartmentalise. That's a word I learned on this show. Yeah. Compartmentalise that and be like, oh, okay, well, that's a late, I think. But I, that will eat me alive yeah, all, all day, day. Yeah. we need to talk this evening yeah it's the morning <laughs> I've just had an email for the exact same thing just popped up said we just need to talk and now I'm just going oh so I've obviously fucked up in some way let me go through <laughs> the last two weeks and figure out what yeah. horrible things I've done this time it's like, oh, so the thing having the fear when you've said something when you're drunk is it's obviously a thing and you, you worry about what you've said but like, you know it's just justified by being like oh I was, I was pissed mm. oh no no that wasn't me it's like in, in split that was Patricia <laughs> oh my god 
Patricia Pattinson. Yeah. <laughs> she, she comes out after a, after a few wines. Does she? Yeah. Patricia, is that what she's she called? She gets very Geordie. Have you got one? I don't think I do. I think I just get really sleepy now. <laughs> my, friend calls, my friend calls drunk me Brioni. Brioni. <laughs> she's just like, Brioni was out last night. I'm like, yeah, I, I didn't know. I went home, Brioni stayed out. You know? It's funny, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can feel the change, can't you? You're like, it's, it's not me anymore. No, someone much more confident is here and I don't like her attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she's going to say something mental. (laughs) Um, I had to go up to run up to Rose Matafeo the other day and just be like, I'm really sorry about the other night. And she was like, what? And I was like, I I think I have flashbacks of saying something really like just really being a really obnoxious guy. She was like, I don't remember. And I was like, okay, great. See you later anyway. But I was like, I have to go and say. Yeah. Because otherwise, because I was like, I swear I saw, like woke up like, oh no, I think I saw Rose last night. Oh God, what did I say? And I just, remember there being sort of like aggro mm-hmm. <laughs> probably wasn't yeah <laughs> she was like i don't know and i was like okay rose yeah. <laughs> i met her when i met when i first met you oh yeah latitude, like that, latitude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, apparently i didn't say anything so it was okay that's good uh, we've got about five minutes left so do you want to ask our final Lovely. question kind of ties in to something that you brought up earlier and it's um if you could go could go back to your younger self yeah. and give yourself some advice on mental health and living life without misery or with a bit less misery what would you tell yourself Oh my god. Um, let me think. There's loads of things I would tell myself. I think I would have got therapy sooner. Mm-hmm. Before everything happened, I should have had therapy, like since I was young. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there's lots, of, when I think about it now, there's lots of things that triggered things that could have been sorted out. Mm-hmm. I don't even think it would be like, you know, like you're an anxious person before I was unwell or like, or even like don't get together with Tim or, you know, like whatever, you know, whatever were the events that would lead up to the mental health crisis that I had. I think deep entrenched within me, there was always a breakdown brewing because Mm -hmm. of unprocessed emotion from childhood and actually I do transactional analysis. Mm -hmm. Either of you two had that. It's very good. It's, um, I think it's Jungian. It's like um, you have a child self and you have an adult self and you have a, a parent oh, self. Oh, no, someone did tell me about this. Yeah. And you sort of, you sit in therapy, it's just talking therapy, mm-hmm. but you, your, your analyst will always sort of ask, and how old do you feel when you feel that emotion? Mm-hmm. And do you think that was the re- response within child mode or within adult mode or within parent mode? And it allows you to understand that sometimes your reactions come from something you've learnt very young mm. and actually how to allow your parent self She's the voice of whoever was kind of in charge of your upbringing mm-hmm. um, and your adult self to kind of make peace so that you can parent the child within you. It's really kind of cheesy, but it's lovely. Mm-hmm. And actually, yes, I think I would have, instead of getting pissed every day of my 20s, I probably would have said, OK, if there's anything you should do, it's process your youth. Mm-hmm. Because um, it wasn't particularly traumatic. I mean, traumatic things happened, you know, like I said, like I was think I've always thought women are mental and men are evil you know mm-hmm. I think I was taught that at a very young age and that didn't help when I felt mental because then that meant that the man in my life was evil you know like it's yeah. just uh, so I think my message would be before crisis go and talk about your life with somebody who can help you to understand why you behave in certain ways and I think once you understand why you behave in certain ways you can parent yourself and thus you can limit the amount of like you're parenting yourself and Mm -hmm. you say I must get up and have a shower child Lauren wants to sit in bed and stew you Mm -hmm. know or she wants to eat sweets and because she knows bed is the most safe place exactly parent Lauren will say it's time for you to get into the shower you stupid cow yeah but adult Lauren says to herself maybe 
there's an element of acknowledging that the childlike self in me is being shy, but I should be brave. Yeah. And that and that parent self-deprecating self isn't helpful, so we'll put her away. Mm-hmm. And then you get in the shower. See, so you can sort yeah. of allow yourself to um like a middle ground. Mm. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. That's a lovely way lovely. to end. Thank you so much. Thank Thank you. Right. Cheers. <laughs> take something from this podcast away with you in your day-to-day life whatever situation you're in you're not by yourself we can share our stories share our experiences we can help each other know that things do get better and that's another episode complete thank you very much to Bryony for giving us her time thank you to lauren for leading the conversation whilst i spent the entire episode fangirling in the corner and thank you to you for listening and thanks to calm obviously and dave obviously uh that's it for this week Please let us know if you're enjoying the podcast uh, by going and leaving it a little review and stuff like that. And uh, go kick 2020 in the butt. You go do your thing. You live your best life. Um, cool. All right. See you next week. Have fun. Bye. 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 What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugs your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your search history? Sorry? What to do, tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum, Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell, and dad, Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising business. Divulging their deepest digital secrets. What the hell is happening? Get off my phone, a Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel.